0: This is episode 92 of G.I. Joeberg, and a member of this podcast decided for us that we were going to talk about sharks. Because why? Because it's Shark Week?
1: Curtis Herod, do you
0: want to explain what the hell Shark Week is?
1: I, I think you should edit out my name for one. What? You I- <laughs> just never dropped my full name on the air. Now I'm going to get all sorts of fun stuff. Bullshit. You have a podcast, and you always introduce yourself by name. Yeah, but he has a good name on the shore.
2: That's why if we ever <laughs> I'm, I'm, on to
1: I'm definitely 30 seconds like to 70% midnight. less cool right now. But, <laughs> you know, in America we do marketing. And if we can turn something into a thing, we turn something into Shark Week. It's basically where you glorify the hunter of the sea. And, uh, you know, humans try a bunch of feats with the sharks and stuff. So why not talk about G.I. Joe's oldest submarine? Let's do a Shark Week. Curtis and myself are ably assisted tonight by two great African
0: white sharks. <laughs> white, great, great white South African sharks. Uh, and they are in no particular order, but they're going to have an order anyway. That's Oh, you, you want me to
3: say my name like uh, great white of the North Paul?
2: <laughs> you, you You've never dropped my race on this show before. I want you to take that out.
0: This is wrong. <laughs> well, true story. We've Did you had win an the an rendering of the three South African members of G.I. Joburg, courtesy of our buddy Dave Cabal. And um, he took uh, our, uh, our nationality as South African, perhaps a little too literally. <laughs> we were all black South
1: Africans. Hey, you know, could happen.
3: And I look fly as fuck, man. <laughs> I love Dave Cabal's rendering of us.
1: Wait, you guys guys are white?
0: (laughs) In New York, this guy was trying to shop me his rap CD that he had pressed. And he caught my accent and asked, Hey man, where you from? I was like, South Africa. Dude, you ain't black. (laughs) So it's uh, it's amusing. It's amusing. There are a few white South Africans left. We haven't been hunted into extinction.
1: But, I mean, if you go swimming, you might get hunted by sharks. And uh, before we get going into the deep end, does anybody have anything to say about Joe culture or anything that may have come into their position?
2: Hmm.
3: <laughs> I, got, I got new shit, but this is not this is not the episode for new shit.
0: You can imagine wherever there's trouble, G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe!
2: Culver's still in the capsule!
0: Scrap iron sold separately. They're
2: getting away in the water! The shark will catch him.
3: Joe Joe! Each set is sold separately, and some assembly is required. they are throwing the castle
1: overboard! Let's
3: go get it! Yo! Joe! Joe! G.I. Joe Shark comes with diver cobra watermarks and comes with driver. Each set and other figures sold separately from Hasbro.
0: This is, of course, Shark Week. We're gonna talk about the submersible high-speed attack and reconnaissance craft, the G.I. Joe shark from 1984, but the shark and the sea ray are birds of a feather, the one just being the Joe precursor to the Cobra version. And way, way back in episode 18 of G.I. Joe Berg, we decided to pit these two crafts against each other in a top trump style versus competition. Do you guys remember what the outcome of that competition was? I'm afraid, Kujo, you weren't part of the mix back then, so it was just the three saffers casting their votes, deciding which would win in a duel, the shark or the sea ray. Do you fellas remember how, uh, how it went down?
2: The shark
3: I won. I think I was rooting for the sea ray, so it probably lost. <laughs>
0: well, it, it, if you're scratching your head at this point trying to remember which way you went, uh, Rob, You're correct. You're not scratching your head nearly enough. Uh, You did go the way of the shark. Paul also seemed to be moving more in favor of the G.I. Joe vehicle. And then I, in a sort of a dissenting opinion, I was like, oh, well, you know, to hell with it. You guys have already gone the shark. So uh, let me just root for the sea ray and this is why. And in so giving my reasons... Paul all of a sudden woke up and said, hang on, I haven't decided yet. I actually am going with the Sea Ray. So in a surprise twist, <laughs> the shark lost to the Sea Ray.
2: Oh, cool. Which makes no sense. Doesn't it? The Sea Ray is a better toy.
0: No, no, no. We were talking about the merits of the vehicle and not necessarily it's a the merits vehicle. of the toy. Okay, okay. Well, I think well, what we kind I... of
2: contradicted ourselves in our YouTube review. Oops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think the argument went as follows. I mean, the Cobra Sea Ray is a response to the GI Joe Shark, but
2: I oh, think so everything about it is designed to beat the shark.
0: Well, it's, <laughs> it's just it just came later. Beat the it's shark. a more substantial vehicle, and it has the split apart feature, which essentially doubles its effectiveness. But the thing about the Sea Ray, which still bugs me to this day, is that it doesn't come with any torpedoes. All of its armaments are missiles. And, I mean, if you go according to, I think it's either the box back or the blueprints, it talks about them being air-to-surface missiles, which means that this thing's modus operandi is to fly out of the water and swoop down on its target, firing its missiles and guns, uh, which does away with its stealth. You know, assuming assuming it's used its uh, stealth capabilities to sneak up on its targets, once it opens up, you know, it's a sitting duck. Anyone with a, an anti-aircraft gun or missile launcher could, you know, pot it out of the sky. Whereas the Shark always maintains its sub-like quality. I suppose its its jet ability would be more to ferry it from place to place and as a sort of a quick escape route if necessary. But, yeah, I think it was in the order of battle or oh no it was in uh, devil's dues sort of later um, vehicles and weapons guides where it said something to the effect of uh, sharks are capable of flights but it's ill-advised to try and take them into combat against dedicated aircraft so don't be dogfighting no hurricanes or firebats in your sharks please
2: okay hold up hold up um, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time arguing with the man who's lining up to be a hot lunch but you, the main reason why this, the Sea Ray wins is because it was released later. Is, is that, is, isn't that what you what you just said? I mean, that's kind of like saying Pal Driver beats all.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, look, by being released later, it is delving more into the area of hyperbole in the G.I. Joe line. Like, it is capable of Mach 2, <laughs> uh, okay, the shark, uh, to its credit, is able to beat the sound barrier, but the sea the ray is able to beat it twice. So it is twice as fast as its G.I. Joe quarry. And also, I kind of made something up. <laughs> as I'm known to do, I twisted the result slightly by saying, ah, surely Cobra engineers could equip it with air-to-air weaponry and you know um uh, torpedoes <laughs> as well so you know it's, it's got... just
2: this example of it came with the only surface yeah, you know exactly. air to surface stuff of course it comes with the others.
0: but stuff. you
3: can sit upright in a Ray though
0: bingo that was another factor there Visibility. we go there's the
2: winner
3: c-ray
0: yeah
2: and so you can sit
0: winner winner chicken dinner mm. kujo had you been around mm. at the time which way would you have gone shark or c-ray
1: Well, I actually didn't consider this matchup, but it is a goodie. I think, I mean, I've seen the shark do some pretty uh, pretty nice maneuvers. If you recall, a trench run, and also it kind of evaded that big hydro robot with the turbo fist. And it can hold an animal companion inside, as you know. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's tough. The sea ray is, is more graceful looking, and I can see it kind of being like a flying fish, kind of hopping out of the water and, and shooting and then diving back down. Whereas the shark looks like something that would just blast out of the water and then, and then have to gain some altitude. I think I'll go with the shark on this one, just because we're talking sharks.
2: Yes, shark wins.
0: As a toy, does that change your uh, answers at all, gentlemen?
1: Well, dude, you had Snake pliskin, land. Laying down in his sub and escape from LA. So I'm gonna give it a little bit of latitude.
3: <laughs> to call that a submarine is kind of a stretch. That was a torpedo that you could put a man inside.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, that feels like if if I can knock the shark, it's not as lean as it should be. It should be more sleek. Like I can almost see like a mole pod with a propeller on the back. Like you know, something that would just jam into a ship and breach the hole or something.
2: That's a cool idea, actually. It's a little over designed you're right
1: well i mean it works in it's kind of chrome thing like we talked about earlier kind of being almost like a sci-fi ship Can
2: you... the the sky shark
1: yeah oh
0: Ooh. yeah gonna... Eat talking that, of um... JD onesie. <laughs> <laughs> talking
2: <laughs> of repaints talking of repaints oh. <laughs> which is your favorite repaint of the um the shark or is it the does the original win out
0: oh it's got to be the wave crusher that dusty wow. gold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm being ridiculous. Though, what is nice about the Wave Crusher, and this is a, a fan write-up that I read, which is something that I've found a lot of favor with, is that it is a Cobra copy of the shark. And in being a copy, it's like it's like the Chinese copy of the AK-47. It's not as good as the Soviet one, but it's produced well, in vast funny. numbers, Cobra-style, and just paired with a pilot and, you know, go forth and conquer. So it might leak, but in enough numbers, they'll get your ass. (laughs) But no, I've got to go with uh, the the, the beautiful, beautiful original pearly whites of the shark. Mm. Gorgeous. You can't beat that.
3: Yeah, I got to agree with Steve there. I mean, even though my first blush with the shark
2: was the sky shark, I find the original is still... The King. What about the Night Spectre? It's a version I see that came out in 2008. And I thought it was kind of cool because it, it, it has the, the kind of the markings like the Warthog AIFV. So it would be a cool like complement for the Warthog, although it is black and not green.
0: It came with Grand Slam, didn't it? Yeah. Weird. I will say this uh, the most successful included figure to come with uh, a version of the shark mold is the Wave Crusher's Sub Viper. And I'm not talking about his extremely laughable file card. The late nineties and and early two thousands were when the file cards just really fell to pieces. But using Sludge Viper's mould as a submarine trooper or submariner of some kind works perfectly. It's amazing. It looks like a very high tech space age dry suit in fact.
1: You need to have a buddy comedy with him and the hiss driver. <laughs>
0: Do you think it was a missed opportunity that they
2: never did a Python Patrol version? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, Python Patrol vehicles like the Conquest look amazing, but I don't think that that pen scheme translates very well to things with severe angles like a shark. I think it definitely conforms better to more rounded designs. Wrap-around. Um, and, and I'd even yeah. go as far as to say, and I know I joked about it earlier, but I personally don't like the idea of a Tiger Force shark either, uh, to be quite honest. There's just something about the shark that is so 80s future chic that just makes it look right in chrome or white, maybe black. Um, But I think if it deviates too far from those colors, it loses loses an edge. It loses something. Hmm. That's just my feeling on it. Because I struggle to see it in any other color. I really do. I've seen light blue ones, and I think they look crap.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. they, they came in in lots of colors. What I thought was also quite cool is that the shark, they always seem to rename it for its reissues. <laughs> so you have the Nightshade, which is the Nightforce version. You have the Sky Shark. You have the Wave Crush, the Night Spectre, and the Shark Tooth. But probably my favorite, as I was doing research for this episode, my favorite name for the, the shark was actually the Action Force version. And they came up with, with, with actually quite a cool name for it. Um, See if I can pronounce this correctly. They called it the flying submarine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tschai, beautiful. They, like it's literally on the packaging. It's just action
2: force flying submarine. I th- I thought that was pretty brilliant. Speaking of interesting names, how about um, Malcolm R. Willoughby, aka Deep Six? What's the yep. best version of that guy?
0: You can't talk about the shark without talking about Deep Six. But I'm not going to draw first blood on this. I'm feeling a little gun-shy. If I was to guess, I, it's going to come down between version 1 and version 2. You're either nostalgic and you have no problem with the uh, Transformers-like brick of a figure with a fun action feature, let's be honest. I mean, it's The shark and its included driver both had action features galore, in spite of their small size. But I'll get into that later. Or V2 which gives him more mobility and, and a new specialty, really.
2: Well, they actually gave him a specialty. I mean, the, the first version essentially has one specialty, while the second one becomes his own character by actually having two. You know, he has a secondary and a primary military specialty now.
0: It's just occurred to me that the first release of Deep Six is a problematic figure. And I'm not talking about the departure from the articulation. He does not need the shark to operate. He's wearing <laughs> his own shark, essentially. He's wearing a suit that protects him at extreme depths, also propels him. So, why is he operating this vehicle? The vehicle should go to someone who isn't inclined to operate outside of the vehicle. The vehicle should yeah, like be... to like to torpedo. Torpedo or, or, or someone who's dressed in a flight suit, perhaps?
2: Oh, flint. What about Shipwreck?
0: Uh, I, I'm thinking neither. I'm thinking someone looking more like Ace, version 1. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I don't know about that. Kujo, <laughs> do you at least take my point that version 1 Deep 6 doesn't need the shark? He's equipped for extra vehicular activity, basically. Like, he is the diver. His function is to, as, as military divers do, you know, Navy divers... Go down to the lowest depths, perform repairs on 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 rigs or or equipment down there, uh, perform perhaps uh, research yeah, I'm missions. You. I'm with you. He's underwater yeah,
2: demolitions instructing.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. Look, I don't <laughs> think his suit gives him enough mobility <laughs> to be a, a frogman <laughs> or a pilot. Well, yeah, of course, naturally.
1: I, I think what you said about the flight suit doesn't quite make sense. But, I mean, just, just to kind of draw some blood here, um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick my definitive and maybe we can bounce off that.
0: No, no, um, no back it up, man. If you're going to dispute right. me, then you've got to add some meat to that argument. Well, You disagree about the flight suit.
1: Given that the shark can open up underwater, maybe it equalizes pressure. That way Deep Six can ferry himself to a site and then do some some
0: wet work or whatever. So you're, you're imagining the shark can break open and release like, the diver? pressurize underwater? Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that could be a function. And if he was in a flight suit, you'd have to take that function away. So that's what sure. I'm saying. That's the caveat.
0: So, okay, so the, 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 the vehicle can be piloted to a point. You can flood the cabin, release Deep Six. He can do his job, get back in the the, the shark, flush the water out, and then continue on your mission. Okay. Which makes sense, sense because he comes
2: sense. in the diving suit. I mean, yeah. he's in a suit with the inner... The bigger suit. Basically. I, I'm I'm not disagreeing yeah, with you. Like
1: suit. I I can't imagine a person saying that Deep Six was their favorite Joe, which is kind of sad. But it it's kind of meta on his file card saying that he doesn't like people either. So maybe Hama <laughs> saw the sculpt and was like, I got to give this guy some pride, you know? It's a it's a solid
0: theory. I also have a theory about Navy troopers, and that's clearly Larry Hama had a kind of rule of thumb that Navy men were standoffish and loner types because. I mean, you see the pattern emerge with torpedo. It's then carried on with deep six. Wetsuit is also regarded as a kind of a, a stand kind of guy. So, yeah, with the exception of shipwreck, who I suppose is, you know he's not hardcore enough. He's a bit too affable. But
3: Shipwreck's not normal military. He's not
0: regular military. So, yeah, uh, if you take the car- seamen stick together to be to be canon. Yeah,
3: but this also the fact is that over... he grew up in naval yards and things like that, and so he was, he's he's very much a, a people's person and didn't, you know, go into his sort of speciality to get away from people. Hmm. At least that's always how I've understood him from the Far God.
1: Before this conversation is over, I'll probably ask everybody their favorite submarine movie. But I, I do think when you were talking about like Navy men and, and more to the point, uh, people that are shoved inside of steel tubes that go underwater, that's got to be as tight as Brotherhood gets because damn... I mean, you're literally against the elements. So, I mean, yeah, I I don't mind the character of Deep Six, but he never got any play. And, I mean, that that's just end of story. I, I do like domes and, and talking about them, but I don't like talking about V1.
0: I don't like domes. I'm more like a skin-on-skin skin kind of guy. <laughs> oh.
1: Noted. But V2 kind of gets a little closer to that diving, those old diving bells and whatnot. Um, I like that. I love Rapture. But I think just just because it's freakish, I'm going to pick my definitive as V3. Um, I like the hot gloves. Oh, I know, I know. But I like the hot gloves. And I kind of like that tortured-looking head, like trapped in a box. It does something for me.
3: (laughs) It's very abyss-like, actually. It
1: it is. And he also comes with uh, an animal companion, (laughs) which…
3: Very angry dolphin.
1: Yeah, which I guess at first they. they Demonic dolphin. They, they printed some black ones, and so at first they just labeled it a killer whale, which makes Deep Six really maybe the only dude to have two animal companions. I, I could be wrong there, but I'm going to go V3. Huh, I
2: like V3. It. Okay. <laughs> so, no
1: one ever.
0: <laughs> but, okay. Good Wait, you, the they're fans of the eco warriors have, yeah, out D. there. D.
1: Joburg. <laughs> well, maybe the 90s are rubbing off on me. <laughs> hot damn.
3: Good. I think it's great that you love that toy. I think it needs somebody to love it. And like, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I must be honest, it doesn't offend me as much as other diver figures do, so, or have. So yeah, man, I I see where you're coming from. And now I'm just thinking about it now and looking at it and mentioning the whole abyss um, sort of quality to it, I kind of like it a little bit now, a little bit. i more I actually want his angry dolphin more than the toy, but whatever. <laughs>
1: Go go on, brother. My
3: favorite Deep Six has got to be version 2. Hands down, no contest. There's no Deep Six out there in the world that challenges my version 2. Yes, uh, Steve mentioned Nostalgia. Perhaps as a reason for people to love version 1. Well, I think Nostalgia has a large part in why I love version 2 because uh, that was one of my very first G.I. Joe toys. I'm almost a hundred percent sure Sci-Fi was my first Joe, and that Deep Six was my second one, because I have very good memories of playing with Deep Six in the boss. I know, haha. But I really love that diving suit, and I think the reason that it drew me to that was, you know, there there is that old Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, that old movie. It's got that like really rubbery giant squid or whatever it is in there. Gee, I thought it was a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm referring in, to the movie in particular because. The movie has uh, a sort of an aesthetic that goes for it, and that Deep Six uh, reminded me of that. And my brain just loves that old-schoolness of it. Like, as a kid, I didn't even realize that that kind of diving uh, equipment was kind of sort of out of vogue already. For me, it was just like, wow, this guy's, like, really cool, and I can play with him in the bath. So, you know, thumbs up.
0: Well, here's what's interesting, Paul. You might think that his dive suit is out of vogue, but actually, actually... He is wearing what is effectively a navy dry suit for uh, working in cold water conditions, which basically, like, a wetsuit operates by allowing water into the suit. Into the uh, suit. You're familiar yeah. with that. You felt that sensation when yeah. you were in the cape last, uh, or the time yes. before that. A dry suit, you are completely sealed. Oh, crazy. All, all parts of you are sealed off from the water outside. And the suits uh, also sometimes have uh, heating elements inside. Circulating warm air. Anyway, so it is a very up-to-date dry suit, but colored to look and evoke the old school, what they call the standard diving suit, which was perfected in like the late 1800s. And it is wow. that sort of gigantic brass or copper bell that sits on, mm. your, you know, on your chest and over your head and weighs you down to the bottom. And basically, you've got a, a, a team of people pumping air to you um, on the surface. You know, you sort of...
1: Oh, hold, okay.
0: Yeah, and you have to be pulled up by rope and deployed using a kind of a, a, a shelf that you um, then step back onto and get hoisted back onto the boats. Anyways, that's, that's old school. And that was colored in that sort of those hues of like browns and burgundies and greens. And, and I suppose the part, the yeah. part of blue has a has a a bit of place on those. But uh, yeah, cool. navy uh, dry suits are typically like bright orange. I mean, they're used for for construction work or repair work or underwater welding stuff like that. You know, when you have to be down there for prolonged periods in cold cold water. And mm. Deep Six's look evokes that. In fact, his helmet is what gave it away for me. It's not that old mm. school bell type helmet. It is, you know, a goggled helmet that uh, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that basically contains an atmosphere for him to breathe uh, under pressurized conditions. Oh, cool. You stepped well, I
2: mean, right into Steven's trap, Paul. You stepped right into his trap.
0: I felt for was his just trap waiting part. for
2: someone to say that that's an old school one so he could school um, you.
0: Well, it's a very cool mixture of both old school and new school. And the bright orange parts work so well because, yes, you need to be able to have visibility on this guy.
1: Yeah, man. Dude, it's gorgeous. It's it's got some Team Zisu vibes. So, yeah, I agree
0: with that. I love that movie. I love that figure. I'm going to go with V2 as well. And I made an interesting discovery about the toy, in fact, playing with it in the pool. If you put his helmet on while he's on the surface, it will trap a bubble of air in it. Naturally unless you you know uh, t- turn him upside down and somehow that bubble will escape through the the body of the figure you know if the figure isn't firmly screwed together he will bob and 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 basically maintain his his aspect with his feet hmm. with with his feet pointed downwards and his his head uh bobbing on the surface then it was you... it was
1: cool until you described him as bobbing
0: <laughs> okay I well swear. Check this out. If you do uh, allow water into the cavity, so you pop the helmet off, pop it back on underwater, he will sink to the bottom, but he will be able to land on his feet. Something about the way the figure is balanced and the way it traps air, at least with mine. I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but this was a very cool discovery that I made not too long ago.
3: I remember that from, like, playing with it in the bath. Now, I haven't played with my new one recently because, I mean, I'm too scared to do that. But actually, I've, I've gotten over that fear I should actually put my new deep six in the bath. But I recall that being kind of weird that he does that because a lot of Joes would just kind of go boom at the bottom. They, like, sort of fall down. Also, a quick question, and, I mean, this is just because I'm interested. The term aspect, is that an actual, um, like, diving term for when you, uh, like, stay upright
0: uh, sorry, the, the term that I actually wanted to use was profile. Your dive profile. Oh, right. So if you are if you are cruising around basically um, belly down, that's one dive profile. If you are descending uh, and you are sort of fins facing down and head towards the surface, that's another dive profile. If you're going down head first, that's a different dive profile. So uh, I, I suppose they might all have names. <laughs> Forgive me, my, my diving days were a long time ago.
3: No, sorry, that's why I ask because, like, on G.I. Joburg, we also learn stuff because we know that knowing is half the battle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, two for V2. What's Rob going to say? One for V3. Ooh. Goodness gracious me. Uh,
2: I, I, no, I feel like I have to be contrarian, but...
3: <laughs> be honest, Rob. Go with your heart. Don't don't be a contrarian. <laughs> Do you, uh,
2: I seem to remember... I think I also have a Deep Six, don't I? Like, the Indian version? Is <laughs> that thought I did?
0: Rob, I was playing with your fun school Deep Six. I'm sorry! I'm sorry. Oh, oh okay. Darn. But Deep Six deserves to be under the sea, buddy.
2: Wow. And Lucky Your Pool is a saltwater pool, so it's appropriate. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. probably go with version
0: yeah. three as well.
2: Um, Version three. Because... Oh, not version three, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
1: Wow, dude. I literally heard <laughs> Kujo's
2: ears pee. Huh. He
0: was like, huh? Without going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, meant, I meant to say version 2. Oh, I'm sorry, Kujo. Um, the North remembers, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Kujo, you can't dispute that card art. It's gorgeous.
1: No, no, you I don't know. want to do that. I like it. I like it. I just wanted to talk about V3. But no, V2 it, is, is a goodie.
2: Version 3 is quite cool. <laughs> no, he really does um, exemplify the 90s. And, I mean, the redesign of the suit is quite interesting as well. So I think he's quite cool. But, yeah, I think I'd go with version 2 as well. Because of the three, I think he's probably the the best looking as well. Because version 1 looks really weird. He's got, like, an open mouth. And he's, like, gasping for air in the thing because no one's let him out for years. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> decades. <laughs> well, version two is like, hey, I can breathe out here. This is pretty cool. Yeah, he's got a really cool like head sculpt, and I think that's pretty awesome. Not just that, also because version two is the version that actually has, I think, as I mentioned earlier, two specialties. Well, the first one basically because he's a vehicle driver, one of his specialties just has to be, he's you know, he's a small craft pilot. Oh. Um, and also, the cool thing between the first and the second one, he, he went from being a diver as his primary specialty to being a master diver. So, hey, he's, he's wow. not just a diver, he's a master diver. So, he's improved quite a bit. And his secondary specialty is underwater Demolitions Instructor. So, yeah, he's improved a bit between there and there. But also, his grade is different. So, his grade originally was PO second, which is, a in brackets, it says master petty diver's up. rating. You no, know, Petty Officer second, but... By the time 89 rolled around for version 2, he's an E7, um, a chief petty officer. So, yeah, he even went up the ranks a bit because he got out of the shark, you know. But, but we're not ready to, to leave Shark Week yet, I think. What do we think of the, the, the card art for, for the shark? Is it quite evocative? Is it quite interesting? Is it camp because he's literally lying on his belly and somehow pushing his neck back? in a really uncomfortable position what does this car not say it's say about deep six you know i think i think it's just evocative of
3: the struggle of the navy man you know here we have a tortured soul inside a glass coffin uh, that is shooting out of the i'm talking the a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh dude this thing makes me want to buy it man it's like jumping out of the water and it's it's shooting shit and it's just i'm like wow this guy's probably a robot I mean, if I was like, you know, eight years old or six years old, I'd be like, this guy's a robot. I have to own this shit. It's a robot in like a futuristic jet and it's coming out of the water. What the hell? So, yes, I think that's cool. I, I That's what it says to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, people love talking rainbows nowadays. It's got a nice color spectrum. I'm, I'm not in love with uh, the logo. It, it just it seems a little convoluted to me.
3: Um, are you talking about on the shark at the bottom there or at the top? Because, yeah, you're definitely buying a G.I. Joe toy if you weren't paying attention.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm just talking about the logo of the shark with the wings. It seems to uh, a oh, little, yes. little bit much.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, yeah. So I, it's I, a shark. I've it got a very good idea on how that. Put wings uh, on the shark.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Put some wings on the shark. I,
3: I know how that meeting went down. What happened is somebody went, this is a, a jet. And then somebody was like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if it could go in the water as well? And then the executive or whatever of the day uh, was like, yeah. And then we'll make the logo a shark with wings. And that's like what <laughs> he gave a shit about. It's like, as long as the shark's got wings, because yeah,
0: uh, that was the <laughs> concession. A- I fully appreciate that. This might be urban legend. I swear I heard talk that they were playtesting this with kids and they intended it to be a submersible vehicle at the outset by design. But its sleek shape and I suppose the, the popularity of things like Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, all those, you know, kind of references made the kids take this thing up in their hands and swoop it around the room like a jet. And that's when the designers or the testers or whoever was responsible for taking notes were like, bam, let's make this a flying submarine. That way we are cornering two areas of the markets, you know, kids that love things that fly, kids that love things that, that operate in the water, kids that love both, and making it an absolute kids small ball. Kids that love the boss. Mm. I don't know if there are any real world precedents for flying submarines. I'm pretty sure there isn't. The closest you'd get is probably an air airboat <laughs> as far as naval craft or, or hovercrafts, for instance, craft that can fly-ish, uh, that operate on water. But what you require for air flights and what you require for aquatic submersion are two very different kinds of requirements.
3: Yeah. But, Steve, uh, what is – and I'm asking you, but – James Bond-wise, there was a James Bond movie that came out in the 80s. I think it's a Roger Moore... I think it's Roger Moore's last Bond film. It's got a, a boat that can turn into a submarine. It's a car that well, can...
0: Well, let me... The Lotus Esprit. Yes. Son of a bitch. Wasn't that in uh, <laughs> um, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me? Oh, yes.
3: And I think that might have been fresh on the minds of kids because James Bond is cool. Well, it was still cool then. I don't know. Mm. But, yeah
1: <laughs> well since, since Paul brought up 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea which I love and it has uh, I, I believe a singing part with, with Kurt Douglas
2: got a whale of a tale to tell you lads a whale of a tale or two about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved on nights like this with the moon above. a whale of a tale
3: and it's all true I swear by my tattoo there was mermaid Minnie. Met her down in Madagascar. She would kiss me any time that I would ask her. Then one evening, her flame of love blew
1: out. Blow me down and pick me up. She swapped me for a trout. Do you guys have a favorite submarine movie? And I guess that kind of dovetails with your uh 007 question. Just a portrayal of action, that kind of thing. I would say, of course, 20,000 Leagues. Uh, I mean, Captain Nemo is probably... One of the first anti heroes I was introduced to, so I love that flick I, 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 lo- I like that movie below it's it's a weird marriage of horror and uh the the military culture within, within a within a submarine did you guys catch that one?
3: I haven't seen below, but i know what i know what you're talking about Coch uh just before I say anything uh, i i mean as I'm mentally preparing for my my reply does it have to be limited to to submarine films like Hunt for the Red October and Das Boot, or can it be like a movie, like a, a really cool movie with a shark in it, or a really cool no, movie that deals with... the weird
0: brother. He specifically
2: oh said with the submarine in it.
0: Here comes Sharknado. Okay.
1: You could reference any shark thing. Could be video game, could be comic, whatever. Shark or... Well, I'm you know. sorry, I'm going to
0: throw the nets a little bit wider and say that since you you came in swinging with 20,000 leagues under the sea which is a book originally so i yes really, now we know <laughs> i really uh, enjoyed a graphic novel based on 20,000 leagues under the, under the sea uh it it was cool seeing the nautilus and all its kind of like saw blade like structures uh realized mm-hmm. in in a sort of artist rendition that was wicked cool.
1: i remember that book dude and, and you just kind of blew my mind thank you
0: Dude, no, no, Jules Verne is amazing, dude. We need to dig it up. But my most vivid and perhaps earliest brushing with the concept of a submarine came at the courtesy of Tintin. Tintin books or also graphic book. novels. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Tintin often had a preoccupation with aquatic adventures. I mean, the major supporting character is a guy called Captain Haddock. Tintin's old rum-swilling friend. So there are sharks aplenty and naval adventures uh, by the dozen in Tintin's books. But one in particular employed a very cool submersible, uh, and this was called Red Rackham's Treasure. Red Rackham's Treasure. Okay, well, they're on this treasure hunt, and they need a submersible to, in, in order to explore the the bottom of the the ocean where they think the sunken treasure happens to be. So, inventor extraordinaire, Cuthbert Calculus, <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they want to take him on, but his um, designs prove to be a complete bust. He's trying to make a submersible that looks like a shark, but it's too thin, and it snaps in half, and they're like, ah, whatever, this guy's a quack, it'll never work. Anyways, he saves the day in this uh, incredible um, submersible, which, once again, as I say, looks like a shark. So it ties in quite nicely with this topic, I'd say. It's a submersible, it's a one-man craft, and it's even a shark. Ha! <laughs> wow. Maybe
1: maybe Hama read that book.
0: Maybe maybe, but that was certainly what uh, really like put a firm focus on the concept of going underneath the waves in a craft. And I thought like all submarines should look like that: cool domed canopy on top of like a shark-like body with dorsal fins and a tail fin. But as far as cinematic exploits are concerned, I think I really enjoyed U571. I was of the right age to enjoy a good old uh, you know, World War two story and perhaps one that hadn't been told um, enough. You know, the, the That intercepting... thing was fake
1: news, by the way.
0: Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, the intercepting of the Enigma machine.
1: It was actually a British group of dudes that did it, not Americans, but you know how we do.
0: Yeah, look, also, I was but... I was young enough to to not really uh, knock it on that point. But I, I really enjoyed yeah. the action of it. And that kind of crossroads between actual guns blazing kind of action and more like, guys, this machine is listing hopelessly. We are sunk. We are going to drown unless we can fix it by some miracle. Like that sort of like, you know, tense naval warfare type movie. It calls back to, like, the, the, the World War Two movies of old, where it was less about visceral action and blood packs going off everywhere and, like, people getting their heads shot off and more about, like, as submarine warfare should be, like, calculated, tense, you know, everyone's rigged for silent ping, running.
1: Ping. Exactly.
0: Oh, yes, of course. The sonar ping, which is another reason why the shark would never work in Python Patrol. The shark's too stealthy already, man.
3: Yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I was just like, color scheme. I was like, who wore it better?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to need to defeat radar when you're under the water. Yeah, that is just a true, hey.
3: I don't really love submarine movies, okay? like and, And don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that they're bad movies. I just always found them to be a little bit boring. But I did enjoy Hunt for the Red October to a degree. And I'm sorry that I'm coming across as a bit basic bitch, but 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, dude, that movie rocked my world as a kid. I mean, like, the idea of a giant squid and the Nautilus itself, and that I'm totally in love with the concept of exploring the deepest oceans, which is why I loved the movie Abyss so much, because I thought Abyss just blew my mind as well. I mean, not I thought, it does. Abyss is amazing. And it also uh, evokes that, that sort of, ooh, something mysterious about the ocean, which really gets me. But, yeah, my favorite is still 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And also, just as a side note, and I wanted to kind of mention a video game, maybe just to be a bit left field on the whole thing. And I know that is also going to be very basic, bitch, but it doesn't have a submarine, so it doesn't count. But Bioshock is pretty amazing. It's one of my favorite things in existence, uh, the first Bioshock. Uh, which is all set in Rapture and Underwater City. Uh, you guys, if you're paying attention, you would have heard Cujo mention that very briefly earlier on in the episode. To our listeners and to you guys, if you've never played Bioshock before, do yourselves a favor. Get your hands on it. You'll love it. And hey, um, Paul,
1: Do you have your brass balls or no?
3: <laughs>
1: do you have that achievement? See if you get a thousand out of a thousand?
3: I don't do the achievement hunting thing. I just play the game and love the story. Um, An occasion to get a few achievements from doing stupid stuff, but I haven't got the brass balls achievements unfortunately. But then again, at the same time.
2: Oh, do you have that, Rob? I did have it until I think I I connected well, my once, Xbox.
1: Once you have brass balls, you always have them, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. But the thing is, you finished it. <laughs> you you got all of them, and then I think I updated my Xbox or something, and then it added a whole bunch of extra. Achievements which I couldn't get, because I think they were, like, multiplayer-based. Yes, for well, Bioshock 2 upset. or whatever it is.
3: Yeah. And I'd like to just mention this, because Steve actually got me thinking about it when he mentioned uh Tintin. That Shark Submissible, which is very eye-catching. And also, once again, listeners, if you have never read Tintin before, and uh, I can highly recommend Red Rackham's Treasure as a good place to start, there's a LEGO series that was done in the late 90s, um, and it's all underwater aquatic stuff and I was this was cracked for me okay I I'd actually managed managed to get the whole set of it and there was a beautiful yellow submarine pause for effect uh, beautiful yellow submarine um, that that designed uh, and it used to get my 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 mind racing but the cool thing that they did was the bad guys had a shark, like an actual shark shaped submarine and it was beautiful so, you know, worth a Google. When I think sharks submersible, that's actually the first thing that comes to my mind. But anyway, yeah, 20,000 of the uh, Leagues Under the Sea, that's Paul. I'm dying to hear what Rob's going to say, and he's probably going to be like, sphere.
2: <laughs> it's technically a submarine movie. No, probably my favorite, I'd, I'd have to say, I mean, it's... <laughs> you know, you'd think I'd find something, like, really obscure, like a down periscope or something. But weirdly enough... <laughs> John McTiernan is is probably you know like I think one of the top like action directors. He's a god. He, <laughs> he did Predator. He did Die Hard. He did Last Action Hero, which is you know I think some people say it's not good, but you know you're. That's an
3: idiot. Awesome. Didn't he also <laughs> do Last Boy Scout?
2: I don't think he did. No, he didn't. Not important. He did. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> he did Die Hard with a Vengeance as well. But he directed The Hunt for Red October, and. I was trying to remember Crimson Tide and how good it was, but I can remember Hunt for Red October better. And it really is—it's a fantastic movie, and the the cast is incredible. I mean, Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, um, James Earl Jones Jones is in it, Um, and even Sam Neill, which is kind of cool. And it's based on the Tom Clancy story. Who doesn't like Tom Clancy? It's based Um, on a book. Exactly. Oh my God! (laughs) All the good summary movies are based on books. Shit.
1: (laughs) Mind (laughs) blown.
2: (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely Hunt for Red October It's it's a very easy choice For me at least I haven't really, if I think about it, watched many I'm just really glad no one chose um, K-19 The
0: Widowmaker <laughs> Despite its What starring. a depressing movie Oh god <laughs> Oh, we all got radiation, we all died <laughs> We're dead okay. well, We were like, oopsie well, Widowmaker, um, guys, come on—it's in the title. <laughs> All those poor <laughs> submariners' wives, <The>
2: Widowmaker—brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, actually, I've never watched
0: Das Boot
2: by Wolfgang Petersen. I've, I've never seen that, but it is something that I've—I actually have now, uh, so I'm quite interested in watching a, a German um, war film, um, which could be, could be quite interesting. Yeah. Here's to swimming with the bow-legged women.
0: Nice. But let's bring it back to the shark, gentlemen, for uh, a little bit more appreciation before we sign off on Shark Week. In my research for this topic, (laughs) because I do research, (laughs) I don't know everything, I (laughs) discovered something (laughs) quite unique about the original (laughs) version of the shark. The box declares very proudly that the shark actually floats. So I was like, what? No, none of my sharks float. You know, they take on water, they list, and eventually they're bobbing, you know, upside down in the water. Um... And then I flush. (laughs) (laughs) He's a funny guy, isn't he? So, yeah, I, I, I flicked through the blueprints, and lo and behold, there are recesses inside the shark as you put the top and bottom half together, that are meant to hold four very discreet pieces of polystyrene, specifically shaped to fill those recesses, which I suppose, put together, would allow the shark to float. That bit of information and that inclusion of these floats dropped off completely in the next version. The sky shark did not come with the floats and had no reference to the craft floating or needing to, to have this step in the, the the instructions. It's like it doesn't exist as a feature. And every subsequent shark has had that feature absent. And it makes me wonder, are the recesses still there? Could you cut a piece of polystyrene, shove it in there, and, and it would be held in place, and not kind of bob around inside the toy? To date, I've only ever put together one shark mold, and that was the Wave Crusher, which is based... Almost entirely on the original shark, surely there aren't too many part deviations, but I can't remember seeing like proper recesses, like anything that looked like like something was missing, but this was a long time ago, so I might be mistaken anyways. It seems like the original shark was meant to sit on the top of the water and not sink beneath it. okay, so it's got a feature for buoyancy, that's actually really cool. I think we have to
2: try that out. I think we I think G.I. Joe Book owes it to the world. Definitely break one of the sharks open, pop some it's, styrofoam in there.
0: It's such a ball ache to crack one of these open. They are so tight.
2: That's why Audience, don't send us another shark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious. Cool. Did sort children it. back in the day? Were they wise to, no, to 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 note that these pieces of like foam are not throwaways? That they are meant to be placed inside your shark as you are putting it together. I mean, sure, the more meticulous among us would have read that step in the instructions. But um, I gotta say, like, I speak for myself, but I didn't read the instructions when I put together a GI Joe vehicle. I was like, yeah, and that goes there, and that goes there, and then put it together. Which is why I had the hair-raising experience of, like, having to open up my warthog in order to place the stickers that are internal stickers. And that was frightening, as an 8-year-old, to try and prise this toy apart. It was hard work, one, and, as I say, terrifying. But does anyone have any uh, insights to share on the feature that Deep Six possessed?
2: Oh, the fact that he could go up and down, it, it seemed pretty involved. And like just reading the instructions, and it has like a piece of string, and then you turn the thing a different way, and he goes up, and then the other way goes down. They really simplified it in version 2. That's That's—that's what I'm going to say.
3: <laughs> I think uh, something important to note about uh, that feature is that they actually put a human head and then human arms around the feature. And then they try to pass it off as a character. And I, I found
0: that to be fascinating. <laughs> and they didn't bother trying to improve it very much when they released the 25th anniversary version. But they did streamline the bellows system a bit. That works mm. quite elegantly and simply. It's a straightforward bellows. So it doesn't have a string. It doesn't have another valve. Just push it in and I think he'll rise and release it and he will sink. Thank you.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I'd just be mature just shut up there <laughs> <laughs> so a, any last words about shark week and sharks and deep sixes and submarines and and submersible high speed attack and reconnaissance craft
1: Now, now I'm torn like maybe I should have asked everybody's favorite cinematic sharks but maybe we can save that for the next shark week
2: you're going to need a bigger boat for that question
1: <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, I'm all talked out about sharks, but I I have a little bit of Joburg Twitter, right? Quick, whenever we're ready to step away from this.
0: The shark is my favorite 1984 vehicle. It beats out the Rattler.
1: It beats out the Whale. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you have really low standards. Damn, dude. You owe me a coke when I get to that continent. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: had more playtime with the Shark than I've had with either of those vehicles it is a very user friendly submersible it fits in your hand nicely it's more compact than the Sea Ray it's hard playing the Sea Ray it's got the pop out pop in guns which yeah they may be feebly sized but they're not feeble they are tough and deadly and it has a removal edge and cover. It has the fins that move. It has a beautiful, beautiful, crystal clear canopy. Which, let's be honest, if your pilot is lying down, he's not getting nearly enough benefit of that beautiful, transparent piece of plastic. But it's a good sales tool. I mean, you want to be able to see the figure, right? And at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. So it is a beautiful canopy. Hell, if you don't like the guy lying on his back... Switch out deep six for, as I said before, an ace version one figure, and you're good to go. He can sit on his rump. He rattles around a little bit, but that's okay. You can stick him down with a little bit of blue tack or prestick. So yes, the shark, given my multitude of of aquatic environments that I often uh, find myself at, (laughs) be it pools or the ocean, the shark is my go-to plaything. It doesn't have too many fiddly, easily lost parts. Just two torpedoes, which, you know, you can run a visual check on to see at a glance. It's not like, okay, it's got four missiles on the underside, and two missiles on the top, and then it's got those two mines and the two torpedoes up front. Like, no, the Shark is a simple, well-contained, very fun, multi-purpose vehicle. The fact that it is a submersible and an aircraft... It plays right into me. I I am the target market for this vehicle. I have enjoyed it, as I say, far more than I have enjoyed the whale, the rattler, the moccasin. The shark's got all of them beat. It is my number one 1984 vehicle. That's all I have to say about that. My love letter from me to my shark. Thank you.
3: Did you always have a pool, Steve? I suppose you've had the ocean, but I mean, have you always had a pool? I haven't always had a shark. No, no, I hear you. Uh, the, the reason I ask is just because uh, with my shark, I mean, I love that thing. I think it's incredible. And I can echo a lot of what you say, although I wouldn't say it's my favorite 84 vehicle, but that's for another show. I I love flying it around, and I get copious amounts of joy from it. And when you left yours here the last time that you were here, I got quite a lot of fun out of it too. But not having a swimming, a swimming pool or a large body of water definitely cuts out. I would say 70% of its fun factor. Oddly enough, considering how much it looks like a jet.
0: Yeah, Agreed. Agreed. We were shooting no. a Sea Ray review, but uh, we could have just as easily been shooting a shark review. I was playing with that thing in the water a lot. It wasn't just a target. It was the protagonist at times. I had to kind of rein myself in and be like, Nope, nope, we're doing the Sea Ray. The shark is for another time. <laughs>
2: All I gotta say is, you know, with sharks, they're pretty cool. I mean, it's a small vehicle, as Steven said, it's pretty straightforward, it's simple, um, and you know, it 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 just makes you you want to say, Smile, you son of a bitch," it's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I, I disagree that it's the best vehicle of 1984.
0: <laughs> that was beautiful. Whatever, haters gonna hate. Oh, whatever. What? We gonna pit it against the whale? Yeah, it's a big ticket item, but it's useless. It's a hovercraft.
1: Shark Week, damn it.
0: Yeah, thank you. Shark <laughs> wins. Shark beats Sea Ray. Shark beats Whale. Shark beats Rattler. Shark. It's all about the shark. Uh-huh. And what a sculpt. Oh, my goodness. The detail. The detail. The right. Sculpt. All right. All right.
1: <laughs> Let me sneak in a little bit of G.I. Joe Twitter.
2: Yeah, let's um, get some
1: loving in there. Just a little bit, guys. Damn. Um, Actually... <laughs> I don't think this is incendiary, but uh, just to put a spotlight on, on some of our, uh, I guess this is what you call bipartisan politics. But um, if, if you're not aware, Hasbro You podcast, I think that's what it is. Uh, a guy that covers basically the, the gamut of the IDW comics right now and, and uh, Hasbro news. Look for that if you're looking for it. But they, but they tweeted that uh, G.I. Joe fans seem quite joyless. And I thought that was that was an interesting thing to say, um, or hear anyway. I can kind of see it, maybe coming from the new school, but maybe it gives us an opportunity for you guys to think about just for a couple minutes, maybe your best smile in G.I. Joe or your happiest moment in G.I. Joe. I'm going to select the panel where Scarlet and Snake Eyes are escaping the silent castle. Scarlet has one of the my favorite G.I. Joe smiles on that page. But to put another spotlight while you guys are thinking about that, just uh, in the tweets... I want to say at Viper, which, is that those people that wear green?
0: Correct, yeah. Mediviper. Uh, it was a DTC figure, wasn't it?
1: But but this account is noteworthy because it's the first female I've seen do toy photography in G.I. Joe. She went ah, on vacation cool. with her uh, Cobra Commander figure. I see you, Mediviper. Uh Cheers. I would give you an animal companion, but I also saw your chihuahua. So uh, enjoy that. And... Uh,
2: Cheers. Very
3: cool. Or I, I
1: should say enjoy the, the not that. The, yeah, the don't,
2: don't you eat know. your tomorrow, eh? I mean, Nope. Nope. It's your pet.
1: Well, do, you, do you have any good G.I. Joe smiles as we exit?
2: Uh, Life for
3: G.I. Joe is tough, man. Nobody smiles. <laughs> Too
1: short.
3: These are soldiers. This is their job. Yeah, I don't expect them to be happy all the time. Except for shipwreck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shipwreck has a good
1: smile.
3: That's not bad. No, he does. No, dude, I think a statement like G.I. Joe is fairly joyless. Well, was I'm not that trying to pick a fight, right? I was trying to, to G. be G. nice. Was that, was that in reference to G.I. Joe or to the fan base?
1: I'm not I'm not going to open that can of worms on Shark Week. There's too much okay, blood no, in the water. No, no as I hear is. you, because
3: it's the wrong bait anyway for sharks. No, I hear you. I can't think of any great smiles. You guys, Rob,
0: Steve? Well, if the... Quote is in reference to G.I. Joe fans being joyless. I will always recall the tears of joy that rolled down my face the day I first got my hands on the Tomahawk. Nuff said.
1: (laughs) Alright.
3: Okay, no, if it comes to that, I mean there's a video with me on it opening a terror drone. Well you wanna see a happy G.I. Joe
2: fan, that guy on that video getting a terror drone. Damn, son.
1: <laughs> that guy was happy.
2: Well, everyone, this episode was definitely no boat accident. It was out <laughs> the water and in the air and under the water. Stay
0: out of the fantastic. water! <laughs> well, this has been episode 92 of G.I. Joeberg, aka Shark Week. What sound does a gay shark make? <sighs> okay you got there first but but you gotta sing it out man i'm
1: so confused I love you,
0: baby, and if it's quite all right, I need you, baby, to warm the lonely nights.